Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Euphoria podcast, the podcast about all things EU LCS. We're going to be talking about overhyped and underrated players today, the EU LCS power rankings, some quick fire predictions now known as quick shots, and our topics of the day are going to be the League of Upsets and the team known as Vitality. Uh, my name is Daniel Dracos. Joining me, my fellow host, Martin DeFisher-Lunga, and our special guest of the day, Jacob Yamato Cannon Mebdi. Welcome, Yamato Cannon. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here, man. How's your morning, uh, Yamato? Oh, that wasn't a pleasure. That's, uh... Why don't you tell people the story of, of how you got <laughs> yeah, here, Yamato? We want to hear that. Uh, so, like, I was, I was assuming we would just go to the classic studio where you guys uh, got this place all fancy in the middle of nowhere. So. I just assumed that I would know everything, so I didn't really ask for any extra information. So when I jumped into the cab and the driver was like, so you're going to blue, 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 Strasse. And I was like, blue, 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 what? I'm just going to trust you, drive me, no problem. And he drives me to a place, he's like, oh, I can't drive further. He's like, he just points in that direction, like in a random direction. He's like, it's over there. I'm like, all right. And I'm just, it's like, I'm not wearing my jacket. I thought it would just be like, Two meters walk outside, you know, all of a sudden there's a storm. All those yeah, like, are against me. It's raining. I'm completely wet right now. And uh, it was it was crazy because I was walking down the street and I had no idea what, what I was looking for. I was like, the only point of reference is what I have is the Fisho and Reiko. So I started looking <laughs> for people that looked like you guys. And, you know, after 10 minutes of walking in the cold, I, I started seeing you guys everywhere, you know. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. And I was like, my, my thought was like, I don't have Wi-Fi on my phone. I need to find Wi-Fi. So I ended this laser game and this guy forced me to buy a Snickers to get <laughs> Wi-Fi that didn't really work. And then I got saved by by Clement. He called me on my phone, our manager, and he said, uh, they tried to reach you. And I see I have like five missed calls. And I was like, yeah, I should probably check my phone. <laughs> yeah, what? You didn't get that call? <laughs> you didn't check your phone? Okay, so for context on our end, we're like, we're, we're planning, we're planning to shoot at 10.30. <laughs> It's like 10.35. We're like, oh, that's cool. Yamato will be late. By 10.45, we're like, he's dead. Yeah, he's <laughs> gone. It's happened. Yamato doesn't sleep in. We know that. So Yamato is definitely dead. And we we find out. And the best part is you come in. And for people who don't know, Yamato is either dressed to the nines or totally casual. So he comes in. He's super casual. And he is soaked. I mean, he has been out in the rain for at least a half an hour. Water, and he's still soaked, sitting now to record the podcast. <laughs> Today we learned, one, check your phone. To have internet on your phone in nah, case put, put this out happens. some signs. <laughs> I was like, yeah, find, are, are find the little, little sign. All right, <laughs> the edge of Berlin is not clear enough. Basically, for, you? for next week, we'll get a giant sign of me and Dracos, our faces. Yeah. We're gonna hang it on a massive wall out here so everyone can see it, and this will never happen again. But yeah. now we're here. Problem solved. We are here, and we can get into things. I love the story, by the way. Fantastic storytelling. <laughs> All right, now it is time for Overhyped and Underrated. This week, we are going to be doing players. So everyone has picked a player that they think is either overhyped or underrated. Yamato, you've been out in the rain. You've been out in the cold. So we'll give you a break. I'm going to go first. My underrated player, it's going to be very controversial, guys. Get ready. Is Ruin. From Giants. From Giants. Top laner of Giants. Now, I know you're thinking, that's dumb as hell. Everybody knows Ruin is going really well. But I don't think just that Ruin is underrated. I think Ruin right now is the best performing top laner in Europe. I think he's outclassing all the old names that people are getting comfortable with. Wonder, Bizachachi, Soaz. I think Wonder is playing so consistently. I think he is always finding advantages for his team outside of just in the laning phase. And he's building most of his, those advantages by himself. Hmm. I so 
I don't really consider him underrated because everything I'm reading is the community is hyping him up and saying he's the best player in Giants, which is true at the moment. Like, I, I think he is really good. But calling him the best top laner in Europe already two weeks in. First of all, he's not even played like Visichachi yet uh, up in the top lane. Look, uh, I've watched Visichachi <laughs> play and I'm confident because you know what Ruin didn't do? Die alone in the side lane. Hasn't happened once. <laughs> That's Mr. true. does that all the time. Just saying, I don't see, like, yes, he has made some small mistakes, but for the most part, this man is playing flawlessly. He's not played Soas either. So that's another one. It's you're, you're, you're holding back putting Ruinous number one because he has yet to play Soas? I'm just, uh, I feel like I need to see him play against. What, do you think it's fair to say right now that he is the best performing top laner in Europe? <sighs> Come on. I mean, that's what, it's not, that's what I'm saying, right? I'm not saying that he's the best performing top laner forever. Mm, I'm saying that in mm. the last few weeks, Ruin has been a clear number one for me as a top laner. I think when it comes to Ruin, I think he's fortunate to stay in Giants. And Naruto Rodor was like a part of the coaching staff in the past. And I think the idea of how Giants played in the past is still within Giants. Is pretty much play a tank up topside or NAR sometimes, which is Ruin's like... Uh, a signature champion and uh, they're playing the same standard way which is like group up like a death ball and just uh, roll down your enemies and i think at this point in time in spring split it's uh, probably the best way of picking up wins because it's very mm -hmm, simple mm -hmm. i think uh, playing a split push game or trying to do something more complicated that's very hard so i'm thinking you know ruin in terms of playing the simple tanks the orn i think he does it very well uh, his nar is very very good yeah but i want to see him uh in those matchups that are more like, um, you know, uh, carnivores, so to speak. I think he's being a bit of a vegetarian up top of <laughs> I mean, you say that, but this man, I mean, outside of, once again, the White Knight outplay that was mostly White Knight throwing himself under attack, this man has <laughs> been solo generating advantages, roaming to do other things, right? So I, this, I, I, I find this really impressive, and I'm curious from your perspective, Yamato, do you expect when you pick a tank top laner for your top laner to, to solo like get a massive CS lead in Rome to help other lanes. Like, is that something you rely on or expect from from a player? I think the main thing is is what you mentioned. That's the memory that is stuck in my mind when I think of Ruin. When Camille, like uh, it was White Knight, that ulted way too early. Evelyn was nowhere to be found, and then just eat into pre nerf Orn. So that was a bit way to ruin the outplay. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a bit crazy. And then like if a tank is ahead, a scaling champion is ahead, and of course Orn is a bit busted, then he's going to be in a position where it's very easy to impact. But he played out the situation very well. He roamed around. He was sending Orn ultimates all across the map. So I'll give that to him. I think uh, the situation he's been given, I think he's performed them as well as he could. And I think that's a big plus uh, in four games. He's definitely very good. Um, before I call him the best performing top laner, I just want to see him 1v1 against like Soas and Chachi. Uh, specifically. I do agree, though. I think when he gets the advantage, he's really good at using it to move into mid lane very often and gank mid lane or set up a good engage for the team. So he's definitely one of the the better players in the early weeks, which uh, is impressive. And obviously, Giants have uh, surprised all of us. So I think Rune is he's interesting and he's good. All right. Well, you're not willing to give me the hard number one. So we'll give up on Ruin for now, but I might come back with a passion after he plays so as sure, it, and sure. wins as clearly the number one top laner at the moment. But Yamato, I want to save Deficios for last because, hint, hint, he's told me what it is and it's it's a little spicy. So why don't you, it's who Dracos. is your, 
<laughs> we'll find out if I'm overhyped or underrated, <laughs> I guess. Who is your overhyped or underrated player, Yamato? I think, uh, uh, speaking of Ruin, I think uh, the underrated player for me is Kabushard. I think uh, when it comes to public perception about Kabushard, people think of him as uh, the Lucian player that is telling everyone to gank his lane, to dive his lane, etc. And um, I think this is far from the truth. Uh, I know that in the past, uh, it might have been like that in uh, post, like past Vitality rosters or in situations like in Gambit where Diamond Prox uh, uh, and uh, Kabushad was like the combo to look out for. If they don't get a hit top lane, the game is over. And that was that was true. And uh, I just have been looking at him like uh, the split I worked with him last year. Like his most plays were, most played was Rumble. Like that's a champion mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. just leave on an island. It's about, you know, uh, sure you push in and you create priority, but eventually you're going to lose the split push and you're just going to look to group in teamfight. He was playing a lot of Gragas and he was playing a lot of these tanks, which was the meta at the time. And he's definitely branched out a lot as a player. And um, and in this case, you know, we had uh, like uh, the reason why I segue Ruin into Kawasha was because his gangplank performance into uh, Ruin, I think Ruin showed that his champion pool was quite predictable. He landed on the Cho'Gath and Cho'Gath into Gangplank is a matchup that is good for Cho'Gath in the early because he can push and create pressure, but eventually he's going to get kited and eaten alive by barrels. And I think uh, Kabusha played uh, that game phenomenally. I kind of uh, put uh, Kabu in a rough spot when uh, he played uh, Lucian against Fnatic because he didn't really do anything uh, that game, so that's on me. <laughs> but yeah. generally speaking, I think Kabushad mm. is okay. very yeah. diverse as a player. Because I, because I'm, I'm curious because when we see Kabo on stage, right, especially with this, because last last year's Vitality roster, generally the team was struggling, so it's hard for me to give Kabo a ton of credit there, right? And then this year, I mean, you've got Jizuki literally tearing it up every yeah. game, so yeah. I don't, I yep. don't, I don't see anything from Cabochard, and so it's hard for me to say 100% that he's good or he's bad. So I'm curious: is it like is he a monster in scrims? Is like what do you see from this guy, like from a behind-the-scenes perspective, that makes you think that that he's underrated or underappreciated? So in practice, there's never been a top laner that uh, is like, oh, he's playing against this guy. We're gonna have a hard time. There's never been a scenario that is like this. I think he can compete against any top laner in Europe, and he has a champion pool that is wider than anyone else's too. And he has the guts to pull it out, even though he hasn't played it for a long time. And I think in the current drafting format, that's a big advantage. He has like three picks into every champion you play into top lane, even more sometimes. And um, uh, his role in how to play the game and his experience really shows in his calmness and his demeanor in the game as well. So one question I have is, with how Jizuke is playing and mini true packs in team fights, wouldn't it sometimes benefit Vitality more to have Kabushad not on a carry, but more on an Orn, something like that, like a tank up in the top lane? Because he's played Jace, Gangplank, Lucian, Jax at the moment, and most of those picks normally are picks you want to play around in the early game to get a bigger advantage. And you guys did that with the Jace, which of course was very uh, effective in that first game. But does it some like, do you not sometimes feel that actually having a tank top lane with how your carries are playing at the moment would benefit the team overall? I think it's a question of my own philosophy to the game. Uh, for example, the Misfits game, uh, people are like, why do you pick Jax? You have so much damage already on your team, but we are not aiming to team fight an Azir, mm -hmm. like, like an Azir, Cho'Gat, uh, Kog'Ma, and uh, whatever else they had. You're not going to team fight that ever. The point is you want to split them up, you want to create pressure on side. So I'm going to draft into Jax. And the biggest reason is that 
a lot of the teams right now, because it's the easiest way of playing the game, are just drafting drafting these bulldozer composition. I yep. think the best uh, analogy for it is that everyone is everyone is playing Protoss, which is like this death ball of units that people use in StarCraft, and we're playing Zerg. We're just swarming the map and we're pressuring the map with the Tam Kench and uh, playing the split push. So we're just trying to pressure people on the sides, putting ourselves in good matchups and creating early game advantages. So I think it's just about my own philosophy to the game. You're not going to out-team fight uh, a team that drafts so heavily into it, so you mm -hmm. need to find a different approach. I think that's pretty interesting. interesting. I, I want to see, I feel. I still feel like I want to see more from Cabo. And I wonder, because the nice thing about you talking about running the strategy is that it does op open up more opportunities for Cabo to look like a star player, right? Because outside of when a Camille tower dives you, it's hard to look amazing <laughs> as a tank player, right? Uh, you're not going to get those flashy outplays mm -hmm. that people kind of I mean, only on NAR, I guess, if you get like huge Mega NAR ults, like yeah. that's kind of the main one. Well, we see them shine on tanks. Yeah, but I think we're going to talk more about uh, Vitality as the show <laughs> mm -hmm. goes on, and I'm curious how, how Cabo will fit into that as we dive deeper into the team. But for now, Martin DeFiscio-Lunga, you were last on the list. Mm -hmm. Hootie, overhyped, underrated. So you guys obviously are boring and went with the underrated ones. <laughs> so I feel like I have to go for the overhyped one. Okay. And for mine, I'm picking Reckless for overhyped now, right when, now. When the Fnatic fans come to kill you, do you think it will be pitchforks and torches? What do you think will be their preferred? They won't find, find us out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to stay here. Ah, the, the truth is to why we record in the middle of nowhere has been revealed. Me. But, uh, so, Reckless. Um, this is obviously based on the first two weeks of, of play we have seen. So it's a four-game sample size at the moment. This is our summer split MVP, who the entire Fnatic team played around, relied on, and he was a huge superstar uh, last split. This split, I actually feel like he's almost hurting his team more than he's helping sometimes in the way he's still trying to play the game. Uh, outside of laning phase, which is fine, as soon as we get to mid to late game, Reckless is sitting in the side lane like he wants to. He overextends way too much and doesn't seem to have any connection with the rest of the team on where they are on the map. And he gets caught out. He dies because of it. Slows down the entire game for the team. And also, we have had team fights where he's too eager. He's in the front line. He gets a Sejuani ult in his face as, as a Zaya, you know, with ult and flash, everything available. He dies instantly. The game gets delayed once again. And some of these individual mistakes that I didn't feel like Reckless did last year. And I looked at him coming into this, but saying, okay, Sven is gone. Like, Reckless just signed a three-year deal. He's the, he's, the, he's the star player on Fnatic. His competition, is main competition is gone. Like, this is really going to be the year of and the split of Reckless, where he's going to be far and away the best AD carry in Europe. And the first two weeks has not shown me that. It's actually been very disappointing for me because I think... He seems disconnected from the rest of his team. And one of the biggest examples for me is actually against Vitality and Yamato Cannon, where they steal a Baron 28, 30 minutes. They're getting back in the game after losing the early game. And then when the entire half the team is in base, trying to run from base, and the mid laner Caps is just pushing out mid, Reckless is already pushing at uh, Vitality's tier 2 tower. All alone. He gets caught out with the Baron buff. He dies. Fnatic can't do anything with it. And it's just some of those things where I'm like, you didn't do this last split. Last split, he was really good at understanding how to play in the side lane. And now it just seems different. So from a player who I'm expecting to be one of the absolute best players in Europe, 
and one of the big, big stars in Fnatic. I have not seen that so far, and I think he's actually cost this team quite a lot when he's getting caught out, which needs to change because he yeah. needs to be the best so, AD carry in Europe. That's that's my question first for you, Yamato, is, is do you think it's fair to set this expectation that Reckless, with the departure of Sven, should be the strongest player in Europe? and well, then the best AD carry. The best AD carry in Europe, and then additionally... What was your impression kind of playing against him? What did you see? Where do you actually feel like he actually stands now? I think like coming into the split, I think uh, everyone met, like everyone thought that Reckless would be the best AD carry. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to maintain that role as the uh, split mm -hmm. proceeds unless Minitropax uh, overtakes him once again. You know, last, this one matchup, he overtook him and maybe it continues. But uh, in terms of... Fnatic, I think, I'm trying to think back to their last year's spring split. It also looked re really, really bad uh, for how the team was looking. They did the roster swaps with the jungle. And in general, Fnatic looked very weak until they came into playoffs and took, I think, mm -hmm. third place. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Fnatic is just a team that seems to be uh, uh, somewhat of a slow starter. I think uh, when it comes to Fnatic, my main question is... Uh, is it, is it just early spring split or is it just the lack of Jesses that is going to hurt them? Because their mid-game, I think it's it, that's just seems so frustrating for everyone to play. And I think, uh, uh, especially in the game against us, we were split pushing and they yep. were just grouping in mid. They were actually doing nothing. Uh, it seemed like Fnatic had no clue how to break uh, our split push. And eventually you get frustrated and you uh, get caught off guard. But I have to agree with the fact that these... Um, Mistakes are some mistakes that you don't expect from Reckless because he was the side lane AD carry king in the past. Yeah, and it's interesting because last spring split you talk about having a lot of new players, figuring out how a new roster is going to work, but like they kept the vast majority of the roster, right? Hillisang is the only swap out. So is this just showing us how important Jezus was to making this team function? Or do we think that there's bigger reasons as to why this team is, is struggling? Because in theory... Like, I think in terms of who we rated as top teams in Europe, between me and Deficio at least, we rated Fnatic number one because mm -hmm. they had the least changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the strongest team in summer pre uh, prior to playoffs, right, where they did falter against Misfits admittedly. And they even looked good at Worlds. So I just, on paper, you look at this team coming into spring and you expect absolute domination. It's just, it's it's so hard to say. It's best of one. Uh, we don't know what happened in the offseason, how the prep was going into the split, but... That's why I was looking at individual members to shine and Reckless, of course, being the first one I looked at. And with this performance over the last two weeks, I just have to say that uh, he's, not, he's not performing well enough. Now, with a player like Reckless, that can change. Legit, this week, he can already look much better and suddenly this discussion is done and he's back to being the best AD carry. You know, that can happen. But... It, it, let's let's take this from like the perspective of a fanatic fan, right? If you're a fanatic fan and you know that randomly reckless is just going to underperform for seemingly no reason at all and can turn it on in a second, isn't that really frustrating? Like, doesn't that just seem really irritating that this guy who has the potential to play at such a high level is underperforming and we're not getting any kind of reason or logic behind it? And then suddenly week three, reckless is a god again. No context. I think it's, I mean, one, it's one of the things about... Uh... Emotional players, potentially that could be a thing for him. Another one is if he, you know, when you are already a great player, if you are just in a little bit of a slump for, it can be a million reasons. Like if you ask Reckless, maybe it's because the meta is, doesn't fit him or maybe it's because there's a part of the team he still needs to figure out how they're going to play and that's going to change how he plays. Like that can be a lot of reasons for it, uh, for him to suddenly 
hit back to that to that you know top level again. I just think for him, uh, the biggest thing is just what seems to be lack of synergy with how the rest of Fnatic wants to play, especially in the mid game. I'm not talking early laning phase. I'm talking mid game, where he's pushing in the side lane. The rest of the team is not able to kind of match what's happening, or he's going too far. He gets caught out. He dies and. Those kind of things just need to change for Fnatic over these few weeks. I have now four games to review. I'm sure they have some scrims to review as well. And then to fix this because Fnatic needs to be one of the best teams in Europe with this lineup. All right. Final question to Yamato to kind of wrap this up. Is this going to happen? Do you think that Reckless is going to turn it on in a week? And if so, do you think it's going to be this week? Or do you kind of expect this to be maybe a bit of a longer process? I think uh, in Europe, there's uh, very few players players that I would call uh, seasoned, like, championship players. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the players that are left, Perks, Soaz, Reckless, these are, champ these are players that know how to put themselves up to that level. And um, when you know the recipe for your own success and know the recipe for how you get onto that level again, I think you can kind of scatter your energy evenly throughout the season uh, in a way uh, i think um, the best example is probably g2 when they came back from msi and they had the subs coming in and they were screaming a lot less and they were practicing a lot less because they didn't want to get burned out and in the beginning they look horrible but eventually <laughs> oh yeah they lost a lot yeah they lost a lot of games and eventually everyone's like g2 is over fnatic is the best fnatic is rolling them over this was like the last game of the split mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. when Fnatic just like destroyed them and then eventually G2 just popped off in the finals and against Misfits and completely dismantled them, like completely destroyed them. And I think uh, G2 had the benefit of having Sven, Mithy, also championship players, I would say. And of course, uh, you can't say anything else about Trick either and expect because they were just winning title after title. So I think uh, when it comes to Reckless bouncing back, it's going to happen for sure. I agree. I think he ends the split as the best AD carry in Europe. He just doesn't play like it right now. All right, we'll find out. Maybe it's week three. We'll see. What week is it going Maybe to be? Maybe it's week eight. Randomly. When is Championship Reckless no. going to show Oh, up. it's when they play Vitality <laughs> again. He's going to punish me. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> All right, next up, our first weekly topic. It is the League of Upsets, the League of Underdogs. Nothing makes sense anymore. Deficio got a 50% on his predictions last week. Better than Perks, who got 40%. <laughs> which we'll talk about more later so, as well. But the first, I want to start this off. Obviously, perceived bottom teams are now at the top of the ladder. Okay. Perceived top teams are somewhere in the middle. Teams that you thought might be in the middle are at the bottom. Everything is not where it was expected to be. So why why is the league, why, is, why are nobody's preseason predictions turning out to be correct? Why is the league so upside down right now? What is causing, you know... All of these teams that we didn't expect to be successful to be successful and all the teams that we thought would be top teams to kind of falter in a lot of these matchups. Easy first answer. It's best of one. <laughs> and we're very early on in the split. So there's a lot of weeks. A lot of things can change. Uh, teams who bring in three to four new players. Some teams click instantly. There's chemistry. Everything is working from the start, at least until you think it's working until you hit a roadblock <laughs> down, uh, down the line. Uh, other teams will take more time to figure out how to play together. I think a team like G2, uh, there's still a lot of things they need to figure out in terms of how to play mid to late game, which is a big problem for them. Where, yeah, But Giants, on the other hand, 
they seem to click instantly. There's interviews from Joko and Steelback talking about how they all knew exactly how they wanted to play. They all had the same mindset, and it was really easy to just stop playing as a team. All right, you bring up a lot of stuff, Deficio, and there is a lot of arguments to be made, but I want to let's just start with format. Yamato, best of how, how big of a determining factor is best of one? What is your impression? Because I look at G2, right? And I don't know if that team could win a best of three either right now. I don't know how how big is this to you, this the format? I think um, what's evident for me in best of one is that some people get punished really hard when they don't know how to draft. There's been times where I'm thinking I'm walking off stage and I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, this game is over because of the draft. And I you think... messed up so badly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I don't know. These four games that we played, you know, Misfits was the only one we lost. We were 8K gold ahead. So I don't know, Kevin, you know. It was... uh, I played the coach for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, you can blame me all you want. That's fine. Uh, and um, like when it comes to best of one, the biggest difference for me is, sure, there is a randomness factor. The, uh, sometimes one guy just thinks about money or something, the Eiffel Tower, I don't know what, what he's thinking about. <laughs> something not important yeah, and, and, <laughs> and he just he just dies. Randomly happens. Has happened to SKT players or whatever players you want to. Maybe SKT isn't the best. Uh... Taker got sniped <laughs> no, by it's, redemption. It's yeah, so it's actually yeah, perfect. They're losing a lot right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my point is, it's like it can happen to anyone. So there's a randomness factor to it. Best of one right now, the biggest difference to what it used to be is that the draft is so much more important and impactful because in the past there was no five bands on each team. There was mm -hmm. no second rotation, second phase. So all these cheesy strats that people like to call them, if we bust out Lucian or some champion that people don't know about, and then it has so much more impact because it's like you're sitting there and you're like, damn, what do I do next, you know, in draft? So I think that matters a lot. I think uh, a lot of the coaches in Europe, or at least teams in Europe, I think they are drafting very wrong. And I think that has also uh, a big impact on uh, how the best of ones play out. Yeah, draft is definitely super important. Another thing kind of tied to draft is just the current meta. The current meta to me does not punish teams very much or very hard because you have so many tools to survive the early game. And I, I always like to look at uh, really, really good teams most of the time understand how to snowball an early advantage very cleanly. They know which lanes to play around. They can play 1-3-1 one, one split push. They can go into a Baron at 20 minutes without having a Cho'Gath and a Azir and something else that can just burn down the Baron in two seconds. And they know how to set up around the Baron to create picks and punish the team further and then kind of use that to win the game, which is what we've seen in other metas, uh, where a lot of the weaker teams, they struggle to do that a lot. Uh, they don't win the early skirmishes. They don't play around the correct lane. They don't set up properly for the early Baron and then they get punished. But in this meta, picking... Scaling champions that can group and team fight with five stopwatches, overheal, relic shields, makes it really hard to get punished in the early game. And suddenly, you don't have to worry too much about playing 1-3-1 split push for most teams. You don't have to worry about perfectly executing the Baron because you have a huge death ball of a team fight comp. You just want to basically group mid and force a big team fight if you can. And that's what Rocket and Giants are doing extremely successful. They pick good late game teamfight comps. They don't get punished early and they played well. And that's one of the main reasons they can win so many games in this meta. I, I, the thing that's really weird to me is that we're talking, because if you told me that a team could get through early game guaranteed without being punished, I would assume that that would help good teams. Teams that would outplay in the mid to late game, coming in even, could out macro in opposition. But because out, in the past, macro right now, like what does that even mean at this point? Maybe that's fair, but, I, but it feels to me like in the past, if 
when we look at best of one, you know, two, three years ago now, the way that lower tier teams got wins off of higher tier teams was like hardcore early game leads, right? Like killing a ton of people in the early game. And it's so bizarre to me now that the way that perceived lower tier teams might be getting wins over over a team like G2, right? Or, or whatever, whoever the team might be, mm-hmm, right? Let's mm-hmm. just random team, assume it's not someone in the EU LCS, is through sitting still in the early game and just waiting to scale. That is not something that I would normally associate with with a less coordinated team. I, I just I feel like with the current champions executing late game teamfights in Yamato, I, I want to hear your opinion on this as well. Like playing a late game teamfight now, if you have uh, Braum, Tristana, Azir, Sijuani, and Orn, is a lot easier than if you were running with uh, a triple carry late game setup and you had to execute a big late game fight because you couldn't snowball the early game, which is what we have seen in the past. Now, for most teams, it is easier to play late game fights if you draft for big late game team fight comps. I think, uh, like, I have to agree. Like, when you look at Rocket and Giants, uh, their way of playing has been just uh, tank up top on this is NAR, which uh, still fills the same role. Like, you can team fight, which was what they were doing mm-hmm. still with yep. NAR. It, well, he wasn't, like, split pushing and taking, like, Nexus Towers or something. It was uh, team fighting NAR. And uh, that's the recipe that is working for them. And I think uh, our game against Giants, like my plan coming into that game was like, I want to make sure at 20 minutes, if we aren't bleeding bad, that we will be much stronger than them. And our comp was way better than theirs at what every was angle. Again? Do you remember? Just uh, for context. So we had, um, up top, it was Cho'Gath against Gangplank. In mid lane, it was Rise against Azir. I think bot lane was... You had Caitlyn. Caitlyn and, and Tom Tom Kench. Kench. Versus Zyra Khan and uh, like we heavily outrange the enemy team. They and don't in Gragas jungle. In yeah. Gragas jungle, so we can disengage. We heavily outrange the enemy team. We can poke them. We can play very slow. Choga is going to be like a walking block of meat that's not going to touch anyone because we have slows for days. And that was my idea coming into the game. And uh, we didn't bleed too bad coming into the mid to late game. And uh, Giants made the mistake of not forcing Nasher, but we just outscaled them, and it worked. And that actually fits perfectly with the point here. This was the the one game where Giants played a comp that got outscaled uh, out of the games they've played so far. That was the one game they lost as well, uh, where they didn't properly execute on how to further snowball and finish the game before the late game comp kicked in. And they ended up losing late game fights and losing the game. That being said, though, I, 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 I actually don't want to take too much away from Giants of Rocket. Uh, because I think they have been doing extremely well in this meta. And a lot of credit to them for figuring out how to win as many games as possible in this current setup. And I think some of the players have played better individually than I expected coming into the split, especially in late game fights. Uh, and looking at someone like Betsy on Giants, you know, the Vagar game was was spot on from him in, in a lot of ways. And He's done well in late game team fights on the side of Rocket. I think Hikyu is actually doing well in late game team fights as well. And and that's important for, for these teams and why they're sitting at the top. I just want to see, before I, I call them clear-cut top teams in Europe, I need to see a meta shift. And I need to see them change to that new meta where it's going to be more about early to mid game and then see if they can still keep this up. The other thing that that Yamato brought up just on this on this subject that I think that we keep kind of going back to is it seems pretty important it is drafting in the current meta and like what it actually takes and i think the the simple analysis that i've seen is get as much scaling as humanly possible and survive is the premium way to draft but i, I have a feeling there's no way that that could be right but we are seeing you, you mentioned giants 
mostly winning throughout drafting or getting bigger scaling compositions. How much truth is there to that concept that you just need to outscale the opposition? Is there another way to play the game? Well, like I think uh, our game against Misfits was a good example. Like we drafted Jackson to Choga because it's a matchup that um, it's like it's good on side, but you always, always lose the team fight against Choga as Jax. So that was like us playing for the early game. We had Zoe against Azir and the enemy team was outscaling us 100%. And we managed to get all the turrets we wanted and all the lead that we wanted. But eventually we just entered at Nash. And uh, <laughs> to be honest, like in the position we were in, the game was supposed to be over if we just executed the Nash properly. That was a game that was in our hands that we just dropped. Yeah. And that was a case that Misfits heavily outscaled us. Because like my, my philosophy is like, I think uh, it's easy to pick up wins with these tank compositions, but I'm thinking a bit further ahead because I think uh, like when the tanks are starting to get nerfed, like we're saying tanks, but how many tanks are there in top lane? There's Orn and Cho'Gath. Orn got nerfed and then there's Shen. Not a lot of people playing Shen, but the tank pool up top is very, very small. If people are going to bust out the Maokai, sure, maybe, but it's a champion that's going to have a very hard time in lane right now. Yeah. So when these champs starting to get nerfed, I think uh, we will see uh, a, a difference in performance because Cho'Gath and Orn, the biggest difference between other tanks and these two tanks is that their lane phase is insane. And that's a big issue. Yeah, and so so for me, it's if the answer to winning is is this simple, right? Is, is this draft scaling or if this is the easier way to play the game, the tanks, Cho'Gath and Orn, you're, you've opted for a method where you're saying you're going to try new things for, for greater progress down the line. You want your team to be able to be flexible to play different comps. Do we think that that's the same thing that a team like Fnatic or, or G2 or Misfits are trying to do as well? Or or is this a misread on the meta? Because to me, I see your argument. You presenting it here obviously makes it a lot easier for me to see that argument. But for Misfits, like in that game one where they played, where they had the Zyrocon bot lane and the Galio, that doesn't feel to me like they're a team that's drafting so that they can learn more from the experience and be better down the line. That feels like a completely incorrect read on the meta. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's fair to say that they thought it was going to be a lot about early snowball around bot side which ended up being the complete opposite because of stopwatches and, and overheal and these things. So that was definitely a misread. I do think the read on Galio was interesting because everyone kind of laughed at him in week one when they picked it and lost. And then it started getting first picked in LCK uh, a week later and then was banned six out of 10 times in Europe as well, uh, week two. So I think Galio was spot on or was correct, but the... Zyra Khan trying to bully the bot lane. And it wasn't just Misfits. Fnatic played Zyra Khan. We, we had a few of those uh, where none of them were super successful. I think Fnatic was the one who executed the best, but it was actually not in lane, but more outside. Um, it is interesting, though, because I like Yamato's idea of trying to pick something that can win early game. Um, I don't think actually that's the case for G2 and why they're losing. They're playing a lot of tank tops. Yeah. Uh, but they're not playing team fights that well at the moment, which is a huge issue. Uh, Rocket and Giants, as the examples, are playing them well in the late game. And like the Giants game, G2 blind pick Skana, your coach, Yamato Ken. If, <laughs> if you blind pick Skana and Tom Kench is in the meta. And Thresh. Oh my God. And then you grab Thresh after when the enemy has already shown the Tom Kench that you didn't pick. And then you have Skana Thresh against Tom Kench. Like, unless you hook the Tom Kench, I guess, and pull him in and try and kill him through his gray health as well. And he's the Tom Kench, he's the tank. You don't really want to kill him first. I, that's, that's not going to work late game against Sejuani, Vagar, Caitlyn, these kind of picks. So they just got outscaled and then they lose. And it's one of those games where I'm like, 
You didn't even try and pick a more early game focus come specifically because you had like Gangplank, Israel, Azir, so you had great late game as well. You just messed up completely. Yeah, okay, so this is one, thank you for bringing that up. I tried to block that drafting decision out of my mind forever because it was quite traumatic. The combo, dude. Yeah. The combo. <laughs> the lines run out. Yeah. You can only eat one person. Thresh will hook one, he'll eat him, and then Skarner can ult somebody. There's no way. It's unstoppable, guys. But, Yamato, from your perspective, ha it's just a side note because I'm curious. Have you ever just forgot about a champion in draft? Oh, yeah. Like, is there, like, a top 20 champion, right, that's, like, probably good in a role? Like, let's, like, not Rise or Azir, let's say, like, Zoe or something, you know, or, or a Malzahar or whatever. Have you ever, like, gone into a draft and, and just been, like, in halfway through second band phase, you're like, oh, crap, we forgot about, <laughs> in this case, Tom Kench. Like, when it comes to, like, the, the four mid laners, ah, oh, no, those mid laners I would never forget because they, this, this is the only thing people have been playing, like Malzahar, Zoe, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, like, sometimes some things pop up and you just need to be flexible because, like, there's so many variables in draft that people can play whatever the hell they want and it could be, like, a cocktail and you need to be on your feet. So, like, what I do when it comes into draft preparation-wise is, like, I set some expectations and then I'm, like, if they throw something else at me, I'm just going to handle it when it comes. And so far, my track Ooh, record... Oh, nice confidence. My there track you go. record has been good. You know, there you go. Because that's how I do it in scrims, and that's how I'm practicing my own drafting. So why not? Give See, us an I, example. Give us an example of someone who threw a curveball and then you adapted on the spot. Oh. It doesn't have to be this, but it could be last split or something as well. I, I, I know it hasn't happened this split. Sometimes I laugh at other people's bands because I'm like, why? And uh, <laughs> But beyond that, I'm trying to think of curveballs. Like, the only thing I'm thinking about is how... Uh, like the opposition just interdraft over and over like in best of fives i remember like uh like against h2k the curveball was that they kept picking the same matchup uh like we were getting nar every oh, single yeah, game oh yeah the famous one <laughs> like, like that, that was a curveball in the sense that it was like curveballing out of the window you know? it was, <laughs> yeah, so it was not aimed at me this is a splice versus h2k semi-final <laughs> where NAR GP, right, was the top lane matchup five games in a row, and Wonder probably played some of the best NAR games of his life, and, like, probably, or who was ever in charge of the draft at that point, was like, nah, it's cool. He altered four people <laughs> six times in a row that game. Let's do it again. This time, it's going to be different. And this is original Black Cleaver, Frozen Mount, NAR era, yeah. where he was an absolute terror. It was also, like, another example was, like, when we played UL in regional qualifier, the matchup was Gangplank against Shen. And they were so stuck on, oh, Vichisachi, Shen, that's the stuff, that's the good stuff right there, you know? And we were like, Gangplank is a hard counter. Like, <laughs> screw you guys, you ult, we're gonna Gangplank ult, right. and Gangplank is fantastic. I <laughs> so those are the curveballs that I remember. Those seem like pretty easy <laughs> curveballs for you to react to. Most okay. curveballs don't, those sound like, like softballs, like someone's just <laughs> Yeah, like, I was hoping it would be like someone just picked a whole new champion, you were like, whoa! I and like, you were like, that I, yeah, I like that all of the curveballs you've listed are people counterpicking themselves. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like you've, been, you've had a nice nice path there as coach. I would have to think about it, but there's nothing that sticks out in my uh, mind. It's cool, it's cool. <laughs> it's totally fair. Um, League of Upsets. League of Upsets, yeah. And so, does this, does this change now with the new patch, Yamato? That's kind of the last thing I want to talk about is I obviously don't want you to go into detail as to what people are playing in scrims. I don't want you to give anything away coming into next week, but 8.2 had a lot of changes. Ha from your experience in scrims, have things like completely changed? Is everything going to be different in the meta or does it still feel like mostly the same to you? Well, in our case, there's always a difference because we always change the meta in scrims. We always, you know, the next week, you guys, it's going to see something new and exciting and that's... Uh, the agenda of this year for Vitality. You're that gonna, kind of team. We're always going to uh, find something new and exciting. We're always going to try to be one step ahead like we did uh, 
the previous weeks with our compositions that uh-huh. uh, were beautiful in their own way. And, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the changes, I think the big one is in bottom. I think uh, the Targon's Brace and the uh, return of Doran's Blade and Doran's Shield yes. is going to... That's yes. all I wanted to hear. Just say it. Doran's items are back. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the, the thing is, it's like finally we can play around bottom, and uh, sure, the sweet music, the, me- the melee supports are still pretty OP because they're just unkillable. But maybe there's a shift of focus because in other cases are all around playing around top lane. That's why all the gangplanks and the Vladimirs and the Camilles are showing up, and it's like Khan meta there because that's what makes sense. Playing around bottom is just non-existent unless Kalista's in the game, and that's mm-hmm. something that's supposed to be permanent, in my opinion. Sweet. And right, then that's, that's if Orn is gone as well, or at least he's slightly prioritized, that stat, then there's less tanks yeah. in the top lane, and then we're going to get more carry matchups. You hear and, that, folks? 8.2 is the promised land. Also, Zombie <laughs> Ward got nerfed, so yeah. the vision in the early game is not as strong, means early game junglers can have more impact. Hopefully, I'm smelling a gr- potentially a great patch with some early game fighting. All right. The patch is exciting. Things will change. Last question. Round this whole thing out. Does this end the League of Upsets? Do we now suddenly, are we going to see top teams return to the top because we have a new meta with a lot more options where it's easier to punish a bottom lane? Or are we going to say, or is Giants and Vitality, are these guys the new kings of EU or any one of the, the top four teams currently in EU LCS? I think Vitality will stay around the top. I'm not, I, I don't know if they're going to be like top two, but they're, they're going to be around the top for, for this split. Rocket and Giants is where um oh it's hard to predict. I think if it is more early game focused, I see Giants suffer a little bit more than, than Rocket on that one. Um, I'm still not convinced that G2 is just randomly going to show up and look really good now. Um, I really hope they will. But if it is more early game focused and Wanda can play carry top, Yangus can focus more on early game, like that combination could be super good. Um, I really love League of Upsets, though. It's fun going mm-hmm. to every matchup, uh, except for Unicorns Aloft, because you know they're going <laughs> to lose right now. Uh, but every other matchup, and then be like, oh, I have actually no idea who's going to win this. Like, which team is going to win? So I hope not. Give me one more patch with this. But I could definitely see some of the, the top teams start climbing up this the This is standards. a shift towards <laughs> a return to the status quo. If the meta Europe. changes, which we hope. Yeah. Back to the bourgeois, I suppose. I think, uh, like, the meta, like, uh, maybe I got you guys too excited. It's not going to change that much, you know. People, no. melee supports are still OP. Time can't your love is still in the mix, you know. But uh, Do you know how hard it is to cast a 50-minute game with, like, two kills in it? I know. You're literally standing there <laughs> being like, yeah, and they're probably going to kill a ward here. And, oh, they did kill the ward. All right, I don't want to stay on this for too <laughs> Anyway, long. you're out of go No, 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 Sorry, no I but, you. but just to follow up on that, we... I, we literally get to the point in the cast where we haven't talked about any action for 30 minutes. So when a fight finally does happen, I will legitimately forget that my job is to talk about fights <laughs> and be like, oh, that's interesting. They finally decided to start a Baron. Like, oh, like two seconds later, oh, wait. Start yelling. I'm supposed to start yelling. Like, this is, <laughs> this is exciting. I'm supposed to be excited now. <laughs> anyway, continue. Go ahead. League of Upsets. I think um, Spring Split, teams tend to suck in Spring Split. It's like uh, Unicorns of Love in the past. They used to be good in spring because everyone sucked in spring and they played in a way mm. that is good against teams that suck. Just uh, sit in this bush, pick up a guy and just uh, <laughs> group down mid, run it down. You know, it works because people are so uncoordinated. And then when it comes to summer split, you and your cones of love philosophy of how to play the game just 
disappears completely. They don't get to worlds, even though everyone's like, this is the Unicorns of Love year. But it's just the same Unicorns of Love all the time with how they play. And uh, I think that is like the best example of how Spring Split and Summer looks like. Just everyone kind of sucks in Spring. And um, I think uh, some teams, with, uh, with in terms of upsets, I think they're still going to exi exist because of best of one. I think there's going to be less and less of them. And it's going to be very evident coming into maybe week six, seven, mm. who is actually the top. All right, so for our next segment, we're going to be talking about Vitality. Of course, we have Yamato Cannon here, so it feels appropriate. Uh, and Martin, you were really curious as to some things about the offseason. So why don't you kick us off? All right, so uh, you guys announced your lineup, uh, I wouldn't say super late, but it was later than some of the, the first few teams, like three or four teams already announced the lineups. We didn't hear anything from Vitality. A lot of rumors were going around, big names, whatever. Marin. <laughs> yeah, Marin was one of them. Uh, and then uh, you guys announced, of course, the four Giants, uh, former Giants players, Jack Troll, Mini Trupex, Jizuke, Gilius, and you keep couple shots. So I would love to hear how this offseason was for you when you built this team and what kind of other plans there were maybe, or if this was just like from the get-go you wanted this kind of lineup. It was crazy. This offseason was, was absolutely like... It was really crazy. So like my approach to the offseason was like, I'm just going to make like 15 rosters like in my head or not in my, I used the paper and pen, of course. But like I mean, you're it, smart. In, in, my, <laughs> in my mind, you know, no, I wasn't like the rain man seeing rosters <laughs> flying all across the place. No, like I was just uh, trying to mix and match rosters and uh, uh, make sure it makes sense on paper. Just, uh, mm. Get players that uh, work well together. Uh, like make sure that the bar lane is good with communication because I've run into problems in the past where I have two players in the bar lane that don't talk and then you don't have a jungle that is that decisive. I think we, uh, that was like one of our biggest issues in Splice. We had Mickey and, and uh, Kobe, which aren't the most right, talkative right. players. They are very good mechanically, very skilled. They know where to be. But uh, when it came around, when it came to the topic of playing around bar lane, there was an issue because when Trashy played with Senkooks and uh, Wonder, they were always very decisive. Wonder and Senkooks knew what they wanted. They were like, yeah. do this and do that. And uh, Trashy was very, very good at supplying that. So uh, it was very important for me to get a good mixture of communication. This is something that I haven't looked at in the past. For me, it was all about, uh, yeah, I have five players. The dynamic is going to be unique and I'm going to handle it no matter what comes. And I'm just going to get five players that are individually skilled. So I looked at communication more as a skill because that's something that a lot of players lack. Even though, you know, people say, oh, you're bringing Koreans, they're not going to communicate. There are European players that don't communicate, you know, <laughs> and it's just the same situation, right? And uh, that was a big deal for me. Like, there was, uh, there was like, this idea that uh, I, could, I could be sitting on uh, the spy roster right now, but with Kabushot top lane, that was something that was, like, uh, in consideration that for me. That was one of the options but that then, you were looking at. Yeah, yeah, but it was, like, I also looked at, uh, you know, I was looking at North American junglers because their jungle pool was, like, greater than ours at the time. I was uh, looking at the junglers in Europe, but they were very hard to snag in the shape of Jankos and, and Maxlor, but I'm very happy with my choice, you know. I think... Uh, what about Marin? Marin, you know, it was it was crazy because th there's, these, there's these two people over in Korea that, not two people, I'm sure there's more. They're, like, uh, they're trying to get... The Korean players overseas are like, yeah, get this guy, get this guy. And every day I got a message, Marin and Bengi, that is the combo you want. <laughs> they, they want this money and this money, and it's going to be worth it, you know. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's going to be a disaster if I go for that, <laughs> you know. And um, my idea was like, um, 
I like to work with players that are clean slates in a way. I think uh, uh, when I can shape their mindset uh, and uh, kind of um, shape their thinking, I feel like I can have the most success. I try to enable players to think about the game in an effective way. It's hard for me to describe it now. So in the past, yeah. uh, just to jump in, was that something you think you struggled with on Vitality last year? Because you did have a lot of veteran names on the on the older Vitality roster in terms of Vander Steelback. Was it harder, do you think, to kind of implement that style of coaching when you had so many veteran players? I think uh, there's, uh, it's very common for players to kind of uh, peak. And I think when you work with players that have played for a very long time, it's very hard to change their ways of thinking, especially in one split. I was in Vitality for one split. I think we ended strong. Uh, we didn't get to playoffs. It was all mm -hmm, the same on mm -hmm. paper, right? But I think we ended strong and we did some progress. We took a game of Misfits, took a game of G2 here and there. And um, it was it was okay. But uh, it's very, very hard to change uh, like a person's mindset about something that they've been doing for a very long time. So you get to kind of... Um, Work with players that have their own ideas, and there's a benefit to that too because they have experience. You can learn from them from that. But uh, in the end, uh, if they have tendencies that uh, are negative, it's hard to just erase them, and it takes a lot of effort and time. And when you have players that haven't played the LCS and they come in, they're hungry, they're motivated. Then uh, the question of motivation and hunger is something that is unquestioned. You know, the difference between this roster and any other roster, I can feel it when we're on stage yeah. and we're saying one, th two, three, vitality. It is like you can, I can feel it in my body how motivated these guys are. And I think that is a big difference in, uh, with these more seasoned players. They're like, this is my lifestyle. I'm doing this. This is what it is. And then there are players that are these championship players that have this formula of success. And then there's people that don't. And it's hard to teach that formula to players that have been around for a long time. I super love the point about like the hunger, like Gilly has actually talked about this in some of the interviews mm -hmm. as well, like bring in rookies, they work harder than others yeah. because they need to prove themselves, they want to have success instantly. And when we saw this roster and we, you know, heard the confidence about how they could be a top team immediately in the first split, and Mini Trubex wants to be the best AD carry, Jisuke Midland and these kind of things. like. At first, you look at me like, ah, that's just like smack talk or whatever before. And like, that's not really serious. But then you watch the team in week one and you're like, oh, they really mean it. Like, yeah. these guys are so passionate on stage. Like, we can hear them through our headsets when we're casting, screaming when stuff is <laughs> happening. Yeah, and some, so the worst thing is, is that sometimes there's like, there's a little bit of a delay, right? So spectators get like the perfect shot, like two or three seconds or whatever. And so I'll hear Jazuke or whoever, yeah. like, ah, like top of their lungs and I'll be like, <laughs> All right, well, in two seconds, happening. someone's going to die. And then there it is right there. It's like a spoiler. But it's so, like, I love watching players who really seem to love being on stage and being part of this. Because that drive and that passion, it's going to, it's going to make you work harder. It's going to make you want to do your absolute best to win. And seeing hungry players as a, a person who's been around this scene, just like you, Yamada Cannon, for many, many years, we've seen all kinds of players. We've mm -hmm. seen the ones who are just naturally gifted, but don't care. We've seen the ones who's not very gifted, but care a lot. And typically the guys who work really hard and have the passion, they end up being some of the absolute best and they end up getting, and they end up being easy to work with as well because they're willing to change to get the best result. And it seems to me like this roster, from what you're saying and from what the interviews are saying, like it is a group of young players who just wants to play really good and fun League of Legends on stage and they want to win so badly. 
And it makes every Vitality game for me fun to watch. Yeah. So I really like that part. And I think it's a, it's a cool mix. I think something that I was worried about was, you know, like uh, I, I think about these players that have had this history of destroying everyone and winning the Challenger Series and uh, winning the LVP. And I was thinking, like, how would they deal with losses? But when you have so motivated and hungry players, it's so easy to just set up the concept. If you want this, you got to do this and this. And this, you just explain why it's positive for them. They're like, yes, I need to do this shit. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to do it every day. So it's very easy to work with players that have this type of mindset. And it's so infectious. You know, I wake up every morning. I'm like, holy moly. I wake up before my <laughs> alarm. I wake up. I'm feeding my cats. And I'm like doing it with passion. With <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, it's, it's so exciting to go to work every day because like, um, it's so infectious. I think uh, Gilius at the core, you know, he was the one that kind of started with the players and like the kind of confidence and that has spread to the players. And Gilius has had such a central role uh, to their mindset of how to perceive themselves and their enemy and the game. And I think that's uh, amazing because all of them are so confident. So is Gilius, is he, is he the leader? Is he the captain on this team? I wouldn't say uh, captain. I think uh, there was a time in Giants where Gilius definitely was the captain. You know, uh, because he was surrounded by players that were virtually like no names. Yeah. Sure, this guy played French League or whatever. Uh, they were virtually no names. And he was definitely the captain back then. But he has helped the other players grow so much. So they kind of have uh, caught up to him in that sense that everyone is at the point where everyone knows about the game. Everyone understands the role. Uh, in terms of in-game, Gilius takes up a massive role of uh, uh, how to, like, he's, uh, uh, he's very good at being decisive. He's... Uh, calling, uh, making clear call, uh, willing to take the responsibility of it. He's willing to just say, we do this now mm -hmm. and everyone follows. So in that sense, uh, sure, he has a leadership uh, role in the game. But uh, uh, the more and more we move on, uh, I've noticed that the jungle role, of course, uh, as any role, it's it's difficult to just say, you shock off everyone, you micromanage this, it's impossible. Right. So I'm trying to push it in the direction where everyone has their own responsibilities, but Gilius has a massive one in the team. So I'm curious, you talk about right now this hunger going on, and even a law, a single loss is like not deterring you. They're just like taking it in stride. It's just one step, want to get better as quickly as possible. Um, are, are you worried at all that like if you guys keep losing games or if you suddenly find yourself struggling that this will break? Or, or are you confident that like you can maintain this indefinitely? I'm not uh, worried at all. Like I, I see that as my job. I see it as uh, you know. I have players. They're supposed to think about what's happening in front of them now. They're supposed to think about what's happening in this moment. They're practicing in this moment. They're playing LCS. For me, I think about the past and the future. So I plan ahead. I uh, make sure that uh, the players understand the concept of getting better and becoming a champion. What it means. Uh, not just in terms of results, because to me, results don't matter. Because what I usually do at the beginning of a split, I ask every player, what do you want? Do you want money? And then one guy says he wants bitches. One guy says he wants fame. One guy says he <laughs> wants whatever. And I tell them, you will get all this shit if you just improve. And what does it mean to improve? It's to make sure that every single day is as useful as possible. And I push this idea, no matter what is happening, onto them every single day. And that is um, like the fundamental core of my philosophy when it comes to practice. So regardless of what will come our way, I'm going to push this idea and ingrain it in their mind that no matter what happened in the past or in the future, it's all about the moment and how you perceive it and how you take it. We talk about Gilius as an individual player. Mm -hmm. 
I want to talk about the hottest name in EULCS right now. Yamada, Jezuke, idiot <laughs> Italian Italian stuff. First of all, I was going to ask who wanted bitches, but you can go to Jezuke. That's fine. The Italian stallion. I need to ask first, what do you guys, what nicknames do you have for him? Because the community has found a lot of really awesome ones. <laughs> I just, I just know. Like, there's a meme in the house, like, there's a mozzarella. <laughs> it's just, there was this thing, you know, like, whenever we order, like, there was this period, and, like, there was, we had, like, this two-week period when we didn't have a chef in the house. So we ordered a lot of Italian food, and he's like, this is not Italian food. <laughs> and we're like, this is mozzarella. He's like, no, no, this is not mozzarella. <laughs> mozzarella, it explodes in the mouth. It, it has milk. It is milky. You can eat only mozzarella with rice, and it's a beautiful dish. And it's... It became uh, a bit of a meme, but uh, <laughs> like uh, we call him usually when people pronounce his name wrong, that is what oh, we call yeah. him. But uh, <clears throat> most of the time it's Jizuke because that's what he wants to be called. Mm -hmm. So when we are mm. joking around, maybe it's Jizuki. <laughs> and uh, most of the time, Jizuke. So I really want Big Jizz to become a thing. <laughs> yeah, for I, him. I didn't know if that, I was allowed to say it because it's something I call him. You call him that? You said bitches already. You call him bitches at some like, point. That's weird, right? I think that's such a cool name. It's just, yeah. it's fun to see because <laughs> Jizuki right now is this kind of player that almost no one knows about unless you are like uh, someone who's followed Giants uh, or you're an Italian player because, of course, then you know Jizuki is the first Italian player coming in. And now I feel like two weeks in, four games in, Everyone who watches EULCS, they know Jizuke. And this guy is just like, he's like number one in like every stat, first of all, for mid laner. So that's already cool. But the way he plays, like he's in your face. He's like forcing plays with Gilius. He tower dives early on. He won with twos yeah. in the bot lane. He makes calls for base races. Like, and, and outside of that, just one, that's already insanely impressive. And two, just the fact that in any context, we've had a player who in his first few games has transitioned with complete confidence onto the EULCS stage. That is the first time I can think of this actually happening. In, in as long as I have been casting EULCS at least, I have never seen a rookie where I've come in and I've heard from their coach or from, a, from the rookie themselves that they go, yeah, I play better on stage. Usually it's like, I'm way worse. I need to figure out how to transition this performance to stage, but this guy just pops off. So tell us, how is it to coach the greatest Italian player of all time? It's amazing. It's uh, like Jizuki is, um such an amazing person, as well as a player. I think, uh, you know, I forgot a, a nickname. We call him Jizu most of the time. Jizu, it's a bit cute. Uh, I like that. Uh, that's nice. Jizu. One of the ladies. Yeah. So, so, so he's such an amazing person because, you know, he's laughing in game. He's spreading joy. He's uh, emotional in that sense. And uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, his approach to the game is amazing. Like, uh, he's the type of player, like sometimes you run into a player that really strives for perfection all the time. Like, no matter what the matchup is, you know, I have a player that, what were you thinking here? He can always, always explain it. Sometimes you have players, oh, I fucked up here. And they're thinking, like, mm -hmm. I wasn't really yeah, thinking. Yeah. But Jizuki, always, always, he can tell me his thought process. And I think uh, that is the hardest part about playing League. It's not about understanding the basics or knowing the basics, because at the core of it, it's pretty simple. I'll push here, move here. It's more about staying concentrated at all times and also applying thought process to every single moment because games tend to be very long. Imagine really focusing in on your homework for 40 minutes. Sometimes you check a phone, sometimes you do look at the ceiling, you look at the time. You know, that is what people call studying. But never really looked at the ceiling, but the <laughs> other ones, yeah. 
No, sometimes, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking that I, I, I used to study in bed and then like rotate around, you know, like, try to find a comfortable find position. Find any reason not to study. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. But Dizuke always, always can tell me a thought process. And I think that's amazing because if a player has that, it means that he's thinking about every single step that he's doing in game. He's not doing anything uncalculated. He can, he can always tell me, oh, you died here? Oh, it's because I thought this and this. Mm. And that's mm -hmm. amazing to me. And uh, what he is outside of the game, he's very easy to work with. Very lovable guy. I don't think anyone would have any issues with him. Just hang out with him. It's, uh, you know, his laughter. It's so infectious. I remember we were like, yes. we, we were at this like Korean restaurant. It was a really like small place, but it was pretty crowded, like a small, like underground kind of thing. Like we were the only like non-Korean people. So it was that kind of place, you know? And uh, then he's like, uh, I, I was, uh, he was, I pointed out that we were eating like, uh, we had like, we were eight people. And we had uh, f like seven barbecues going for us. And then we looked over at a different table and there was like six people surrounded by one barbecue. <laughs> and I pointed that out. I was like, these people are going to go home hungry. And he just died of the laughter. And he was so loud. Everyone was looking at him. And I was like, this is the, <laughs> the best like, situation Like you're like slightly ever. embarrassed, but like, you're also laughing like, hysterically. I, I, I didn't give a shit. You know, I was, I was dying out of laughter. And then eventually like some other people started laughing. And it was just, it was just <laughs> such a, you know, the people we were laughing at started laughing because he was laughing and then i was like these people have no idea we're laughing at them and then he just kept on dying and everyone like there was a lot of people laughing for no reason it was just uh, such a moment that i will never forget because it kind of highlights what jizuki is as a person he makes other nice. people laugh and it's it's like sometimes something happens in scrims or something that's just not funny at all like it's not funny and he just he just finds a little bit funny and he just dies and his his laughter is like shit man I can't hold back. <laughs> so we know when Vitality pauses, it's because the suitcase laughing and then I like, need a moment. Someone else in the team's like crying, like, please, we'll take the fine, just pause the game. <laughs> all right, all right, sounds good, man. Man, I, I love watching him See, play. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think everyone's hyped on Yuzuki right now, but I, I, I want to talk also about your bottom lane, because I feel like many true packs, you know, after the loss, he unfollowed everybody on Twitter. He's like, nose to the grindstone, I'm taking everything super serious, and I feel like Maybe it's a little bit because of the meta, but it doesn't seem like we've gotten to see many true packs really strut his stuff. It seems like he's been a role player thus far. So I want to kind of set some expectations from him. What do, you, what do you think we can expect from many true packs when we're not in a meta where an AD carry sits in lane for, for 30 minutes, right? So do like my, my, my big picture about this roster is that I feel I can play anyway. I can play through mid, I can play through bottom, I can play with the jungle, focus, Lee Sin, whatever jazz you can think of. That is, and with top lane, we can play whatever the hell we already uh, uh, told you. We already talked about that subject. But uh, the point is, you know, right now, the way drafts have been going, I prepared a lot of drafts that revolve around playing around bot lane. I'm just waiting for that to happen because mini two bugs in Jack Troll, when they are the focus of the game, they can be really, really deadly. Like these, these are players. You know, these are two players that are known for playing Thresh and Kalista the most. If you have a player that plays Thresh and Kalista the most, just wait until the meta shifts in the right direction. I mean, they did that in, in Challenger and in Spain and so on, where they were like stomping lanes And they were hard. destroying people. Yeah. And then it, the difference there was that Ruin, I would consider him like one of the most obvious role players because he's playing the tanks and the NAR. And beyond that, he's not really expanding, so it worked very well. But I'm trying to uh, find a way in draft that uh, sometimes if the enemy drafts a specific way, you need to be ready to kind of pivot. And uh, we've only played four games. And uh, those scenarios were when we played around topside because of how the draft went. But we are 
very well and uh, ready for uh, other draft situations when we are forced to play our own bottom uh, or we want to play our own bottom because Mini Trupax and Jack Troll, uh, they really, really impressed me from the get-go. Like I had uh, high expectations for the roster, but uh, I was thinking with the bot lane, how they have to move on the map, where they need to be, the vision game, that kind of the the mythy mindset, as I call it, you know, mythy, where the last year, like when I was in Splice and when we went to Worlds, mythy taught me so many things about how to play bot lane because we just scrimmed all the time and they were just reviewing what he was doing. And I thought I would have to teach them many things about where to be, mm -hmm. where to roam, how to pressure into mid, how to pressure the map, how to play with the jungler. And that uh, was something that came very naturally. And then when we start screaming against what we consider the best bot lanes, I can see them competing, solo killing. So I'm, I'm like, holy moly, I'm excited. These are players uh, that uh, in no uh, corner uh, mm. have a weakness in this regard. Who is uh, who's the best bot lane in Europe? Best bot lane in Europe? Hmm. In this case, uh, I'm not going to uh, involve my players. Well, I, uh, it, it's just... Oh, Ooh, I, let's, I, I, can, let's, I can't involve my players. Like to be honest, it's, it's hard to say right now. Because Sven and Mithy are gone, obviously. Sven and, and Mithy is gone. Reckless Hillisang was something that was hyped, but I think Hillisang is that doesn't really fit in Fnatic as it seems right now. When we talk about Reckless and mm -hmm. his performance, I think uh, Upset and Vander, you know, they played two games. One game was it was like Schalke being kind of mediocre against Flies, I would say, and uh, that is another bot lane that is hyped. But I, I feel like it's too soon to say. I, okay. I think Mini Trupax and Jack Troll definitely, definitely in the contention for being the best bot lane in Europe. I, my impression is, is that if this, if the, if we had a different meta, it would be way easier yeah, to say yeah. who the best bot yeah, lane yeah. is. Yeah, but because sure. of the meta, it's just even honestly, if we played ten more games or five more games for every team in this meta. You would be you would be looking really deep to find one by like this guy uses his Targon's yeah. Targon stack a little bit better than this other guy. Ooh, you know, like it's so it feels like it's so hard to find those those really big advantages to actually say who's on top there. Yeah, because especially like AD carries that looked very bad last year are looking like yeah, this guy is good. This guy is okay. Starwatch meta, baby. Yeah. Relic shield over here. Free boots. I'm really disappointed in the change. Eight point three, like they didn't move up and change biscuit position, people are just going to go stopwatch and biscuit. I'm like, come yeah, on. Yeah, you're just going to pick that instead of boots. <laughs> stopwatch, put it at 10 minutes and uh, like uh, do something else with it. Like it's it's, it's too much. We'll see, we'll see. I mean, 8.3 is a while out. Maybe we'll see if they decide to change that one. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a final question to talk about vitality. I, I want to talk about something that's kind of a perception that I feel like is associated with you now, Yamato, yeah. in the sense that you have a pretty good track record of taking new players and new teams uh, with Splice specifically and kind of leveling them up to being at a, a top-tier competitive level. But I don't feel like you ever, in your in your history outside of your trip to Worlds, you've never like taken a team over the edge. You've never made a team of champions in, in EU. And I'm curious if you feel like, is this finally the team uh, for, for you for Vitality that you can take to like the top, top tier for, for EU LCS? For sure. I think our starting point this time around is uh, much closer to a championship level than it was in Splice. Like our first split in Splice, there was a lot of work to be done. And the guys were working very hard and uh, they they got what they deserved because they worked very, very hard for a very long time. I think uh, when, I, when I look at my history, I love projects that um, are perceived by other people as, yeah, these guys are bad. This is, uh, I, I like those type of challenges. Like when, when I joined Rockout, that was a team that was in relegations. 
and I took them to a position in one split when we went, we took Origin to five games. That in was the regional qualifier. Nuke Duck mid, Yankos jungle, Vanda support. Uh, Mr. Rallas uh, after we kicked Woolite and then Steven top lane. And Steve top lane, yeah. So I, I love those type of projects. And then uh, I had uh, opposite, like I had propositions to go over to North America for big money with the fantastic rosters on paper and things like this. And I was like, Splice is really interesting. Splice, uh, uh, or at the time, I don't know what they're called, some strange as esports uh, newspaper. <laughs> follow or esports. Follow oh, esports. Oh, yeah. So it was Dignitas and then it was goodness. follow esports. Holy. I, I'm happy they took it into the barn and just shot it in the head. You know? It was a hey, really, really farm. bad. You're not supposed to talk about what happened in the farm. They said to the farm, you motto. It was, it was absolutely horrible. And I think when it comes to, like, people view me as, oh, uh, this roster peaks out. And, you know, when I look at Splice, you know, we, we had issues that were hard to overcome and I didn't have uh, the tools to do that and uh, Splice eventually uh, did the original roster disbanded and I think the, that was the right thing to do because I feel like the dynamic we had it was kind of picked out while the individual players still had the potential to be more than what we became. I think we definitely kind of tapped out what we could have become. We took second place and we went to Worlds and I think uh, when it comes to splice alone, I think we we did as much as we could, and I think it was time that when I decided to move on was because I felt like I couldn't get anything more out of the situation. I couldn't feel I didn't feel like I could improve. I didn't feel like I could improve the situation either. So it was just it just made sense to me to move on because I want to improve myself. I want to feel like I am progressing something and not just be there for show. And when it comes to to self improvement, do you feel like? your knowledge was at any point an issue when it came to developing a team do you feel like how much have you grown as a coach is i guess what i'm what i'm trying to get at here like have you gone from a coach who, who maybe couldn't have taken a team to the top and is it now are you now at a point where you feel like in your career that you have enough knowledge that you could take a team like vitality and and get them to first place in europe i think it's just a question of what my focus is i i feel like if i when i put a lot of time into understanding what the metagame is and understanding how to play the game and uh, how to play the game at the highest level i feel like i can uh, just get that understanding but there was a point in time where i focused on different team aspects and uh uh, there was uh, like an issue uh, we had in Splice. We, uh, we focused, I focused on other issues and other things that were going on in my life that I dealt with at the time. And that is no excuse. It was just the situation that was. Uh, like uh, I was um, promised to get an apartment before the LCS split started. And uh, I got it in the middle of February. And of course, it's a difficult thing to get an apartment in Berlin, mm -hmm, right? So mm -hmm. it's not about uh, nagging on anyone. It was more about, you know, uh, it was very hard for me as uh, an alone person in Berlin to move into somewhere and figure all that stuff out. So I had very little free time and I think that impacted how much I could do in terms of research about other teams. And uh, I think uh, when it comes to coaching a league team, it's uh, something that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. You know, I, I work maybe 14 hours a day and I'm fine with that. And there was a time where I couldn't do that. And I think that hurt me a lot. And that was that uh, spring split with Splice. Mm -hmm. And um, when, to answer your question, I think knowledge-wise, <laughs> I think uh, I know more than most coaches on the scene, especially in the West. I don't think, uh, you know, uh, some of these coaches that call themselves coaches and they are never played a game in their life and 
they are just uh, drafting based off of theory. I don't think the game works like this. I think they are very far behind. And I think when it comes to game knowledge, uh, I can, when I have time to put focus on it like I do now and like I have this year and the time and vitality, then I feel like uh, I, I understand the game at the highest level. Do you win the spring split? Yes. Now it is time for the Euphoria EU LCS power rankings. Now, Yamato, you it weren't sucked. last time. <laughs> you weren't here last week, so I'm not gonna hold this against you. <laughs> but I will update the audience. So first, we're gonna do our power rankings, and then we're gonna compare them to the current standings before we maybe have Change some modest changes this things. week. So last week, our power rankings were Fnatic number one, G2 number two, Misfits number three. Not terrible out of all the things. Schalke number four, Vitality number five, Giants number six, number seven was Rockat, number eight was H2K, number nine was Splice, and number 10 was Unicorns of Love. And now, if we take a second to compare that to the standings, you yeah. may know, you may notice a little difference. First place is a three way tie between Miss, or four way tie rather, between Miss, Misfits, Giants, Rockat, and Vitality. And then the three-way tie for fifth place is between Schalke, Fnatic, and Splice, with G2 Esports and H2K both tied for eighth, and Unicorns of Love at a 0-4 in last place. So now, my friends, it is time for us to make a new list. Yes. Last time, we went from 10th place up. Any preferences this time around? How do you want to start out? Is there any clear... Do you want to just put your team number I feel one number to get it over? Number with? ten is easy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Number ten is classic, really guys. Easy. Say it. Someone just has to say it. Unicorn. <laughs> Yeah. And to me, I got to say, so last time we were debating a lot with number nine. Was it Splice? Was it H2K? Was it Rockhead, you know, sitting down there? I mean, to me right now, number nine needs to be H2K. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you agree. So we don't have to have a huge debate. They had like, yeah. like that one thing against Fnatic, but yeah. that was Fnatic. Just, well, and that's uh, why we were hyped on them last time. We're like, ooh, maybe. Because they were one on one. They had that upset. You know, like we saw vain. a couple <laughs> of really good team fights. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. They, they moved one down. They were eight last time, they're number nine. That's it's, it's crazy. I feel bad for UL though, because that, that guy that the UL crowd they just don't know what winning is anymore, so they just shout you, you unicorns, even after a loss. And I'm like, that's not hey, how that's chanting fan support, works, man. Yeah, that's a fan, fan you want, support. maybe, maybe we're gonna get the Italian <laughs> fans in there. I'm not hearing anyone screaming for vitality right now. You might yeah. be a little bit jealous over there, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Level it up, okay. Well, so unicorns of love. Easy. Threw it away. Don't even have to, really have to talk about it that much. H2K also feels pretty easy as they disappointed and they were in eighth anyway. But now things get modestly more difficult. Mm. Uh, so we have a lot of teams remaining. H2K and Unicorns of Love are the only ones placed thus far. Who is eighth place? G2. Yeah. I'm thinking G2 as well. Yeah. Uh, wait, just to be clear, four time back to back European LCS, just so we know who we're putting in eighth Listen, place. Listen, right now. Uh, they do not play very well in the late game. In a meta where it's all about the late game for most teams, uh, some of the draft choices have been very questionable. Again, the Skana one really stands out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that was so bad. Like, I think, I think Perks is performing pretty well. I need to see way more from the bottom lane. Uh, especially uh, Janen in, in late game fights. And Wadid can't play his usual, like, very aggressive style when he's on Tom Kench every game. So, 
Uh, or not in the case of the Skarner game. Or not in the Skarner game. So honestly, D2 eighth place? It feels good to I, me. Yeah. The only reason I'm just going to ask, does, is Splice, are we comfortable now putting Splice above them after the last week of games? Because Splice was the other one that was, it was a pretty clear ninth place last time around. I forgot about Splice. <laughs> but but that's the thing. It's like I, I think that Splice is probably one of the teams that we expect to put Ness on the list, potentially a candidate for seventh. But are we okay putting G2 Esports below Splice? Hmm. It all feels weird. Don't Cub, worry. Kobe had the pen to kill. It's the best of one only, but we only <laughs> have four games to base this on, and we can't base it on scrims. So Splice just ended up winning that last game, and, and Kobe popped off, and the zillion support yep. was in there. I think right now I would raise Splice higher, but if it was like for the future, you know, if I like, if I am going to like rate them of what I have as expectations, okay. I think mm-hmm. uh, G2 have a higher peak than Splice. I feel like Splice is filled with players that uh, were kind of on the sidelines of the success of their past teams. And uh, I think Kobe and Zerxa is, are good players, but I think the rest of them are just side characters of the success of the past. Dang. But it is great point. For now. Yeah, I love that point. For now. But <laughs> this is, of course, the week two power rankings. So it just does feel bad yeah. for Odawamne, though, on the sideline of success for H2K. But so we are comfortable putting H2K as of week, th- moving into week three now, or rather G2 in eighth place. Splice then would be seventh. Yamato? Yep. I'm in. Nail it. Put it in. Boom. There we go. The bottom four is locked. Now it is the playoff Wait, just teams. Can we just appreciate this? <laughs> Splice, G2, H2K, and Unicorns of Love are our bottom four teams. Four of the organizations that would always fight for the top. It's crazy. Just one split ago. It's absolutely crazy to see like the logos. Upcoming matchup. <laughs> Fnatic against H2K. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> we Misfits versus H2K. I was like... We would have been really excited about the hardcore macros that would have shown for this game last split. Now we're excited to see if they get to late game. Then we had 30 minutes with one kill and three pauses due to Alfari's PC that we almost went on stage to beat up. And then the moment the last pause ended, Baron got started by H2K and I have no idea what they were doing there. Like They all decided to say, guys, let's group behind the Baron. So one, we stuck in the pit. Two, the Baron is going to hit us. And then when the enemy shows up, only one of us will jump out and fight them. And the other four <laughs> will stand behind and yell, yeah, go Centurion, Wait, you can on. do it. Haven't you seen any street fight ever? Those are like the rules, dude. You are only, technically, misfits are the bad guys there because they mean, didn't obey the rules. Is it, street, is it a street fight or like a dance fight? Yeah. Like, <laughs> dance off. <laughs> I mean, from what H2K did, it would, they apparently thought it was a dance fight because it definitely yeah. was not much of a fight. The quick moves from, from Centurion, then he jumped right back into the pit and they were all just hiding and then they all died and the game ended and it was like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, that's our bottom four. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, now it gets uh, interesting. Number, number six. six. Ooh. Now, last time around, this was Giants. This time around, Fnatic. Fnatic. How do we feel about Fnatic? Mm, I'm worried. Like, Keep in mind, currently in the standings, Schalke and Fnatic are both tied in fifth place at two and two. Uh, Splice is there as well. But we and Schalke played two games with a sup. Obviously, yeah. Uh, upset is back now. He was pretty sick last week yeah, yeah. as well. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like Fnatic. I think the big difference between G2 and Fnatic. I feel like G2 can gradually progress, but I think Fnatic can just get the shit together, you know. Mm. And uh, will I expect them to do it next week? 
Uh, based on let's just, just based say on right based now. on right now, what you've seen. Of course, if if you've scrimmed, we don't really need to know, but you can use that to influence your opinion. I'm okay with Fnatic number six based on right now. I'm okay with that too. I mean, I, they have good early games. I, I will give them that credit for sure. Um, I think Caps had two really good games as well, and then the Vitality game was was rough for him where he got ganked a lot. But he's had some games like against G two. He was the person who forced the kills that led to a Baron that led to Fnatic winning the game, and I think Caps. You know, is kind of the player to look at right now uh, on Fnatic side, while Reckless is gonna try and figure out his own stuff. Um, but at the moment, the late game shot calling is all over the place. Yeah, it's chase kills, it's random split push. That doesn't seem to be a coordinated plan. And in this meta, as we have seen, they group up as five and have synergy in team fights. Kind of team they win. Yeah, yeah. I think when when I think of Fnatic, like individually. They are fantastic, like Caps, Soaz, and uh, Reckless. I think they are great. I think the early game, the only reason it works is because they are so good in lane. Because I think their idea of how to play the early game is is very wrong most of the time. Mm -hmm. I think this was like when I reviewed all the world's games, it was my heaviest criticism of Fnatic. They have no clue how to play through mid lane. And yeah. that is like a big deal. Like mid lane is central, is the core of how you play, and you have a mid laner that can create pressure. The only thing that I've been seeing right now is that Soaz. Like the only lane that Brox is really impacting is the top side. And in the past with Jezzed, it was like those lane gangs that Brox are like doing into bottom. But right now, the only reason Fnatic, I think, is successful in the early game is because they have very good laners. But I think there is, you know, uh, there's a lack of cohesion in every part of the game, not only the early game. And the only reason I think the early game is working is because Caps is destroying Niski in mid lane with 50 CS in a matchup <laughs> that should be in Ryze's favor in the early game. So that's why it's working. Do we put them number six then? Or yeah. Like it's between them, Schalke, Giants for me, for, for number six. I just, I think that this out of the remaining teams, right, that would be in the top six, Fnatic feels like they're just the one that has the least coordination. Whereas every other team, you can you can credit like one or two of their, their losses to like some poor decisions or some poor draft mistakes. Every one of Fnatic's losses feels like a different problem for me, right? Maybe it's reckless over pushing, as you mentioned in the Vitality game. Maybe it's some of those early games where they're just not supporting anybody or where they're just relying on individual members to roll over. It never feels like a super crisp, clean transition when they're winning early game into snowballing, into ending the game. Yeah, that's what they were known for, right? Like when mm. I when I screamed Fnatic, I was amazed because it was so fast paced. It was like they get one lead, then they get every tower really fast, and then they just crush you. And right now, Fnatic does just. You have to ask yourself if Jesses was the glue that kept them together. This seems like it's hurting them right now, right. Uh, missing Jesses. Um, number five. Yeah, so remaining we have uh, Schalke, Vitality, Rocket, Misfits, and Giants. I think that's a Rocket for me. Rocket for you? Yeah. Over, uh, sorry, under Schalke and Giants and so on? Yeah, yeah I think, uh, like, I, I wouldn't put Schalke there. I'm comparing, like, in my head, I'm comparing Giants and Rocket. I think, uh, you know, there are some things like I'm going to play Rocket and I've noticed in my pre preparation against Rocket, we're not playing them next week, but we're playing them uh, in the near future. And I've noticed some some things that you can manipulate in your favor. And hopefully I can show you guys that when, mm. when we face them. Okay. And I think, um, and then I'm comparing in the contrast of Giants is that they are, their top lane pool is predictable, but I think the same thing can be said about Profit. So... I think uh, if you analyze Rokat and Giants, you can get some good information out of it.
I think the thing yeah. that I like the most about Rocket and Giants is just their shot calling when it actually comes to getting the Baron has been pretty good uh, in terms of like go to the Baron, know exactly when you can start it, when you can force a fight with it, and, and that kind of part, of which has done a lot of favors for them in the late game. Um, Schalke, like, Schalke is this team, I, just, I keep hyping Schalke because I just I really love the project, and it feels to me that they're the kind of team who will be able to play almost any meta, where if it's about playing early game, they can play around Chachi and Nuke Dog. Uh, especially if it's about playing for late game, they have upset as as a great late game AD carry. Chachi can play tanks top lane. Um, they they can play like multiple styles. And while they did lose a game with a sub and then lost a game uh, as well now uh, to splice with upset in there, I still like how they play for the majority of the game. So I I definitely agree with not putting Shalga number five. So for me, it's between Rocket and Giants. And if you feel confident in Rocket there. Yeah, like I wouldn't, okay I wouldn't mind to put Giants there too, man. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm I, I think they're both. very similar. I think, I think both of these teams, it's, it's hard to see a world where they overtake any of the three teams that we would currently rate above them, which is uh, Misfits, Vitality, and, and Schalke, right? Because part of Schalke's loss feels like playing with a substitute, and additionally, from everything we've seen, both Rocket and uh, and Giants have these great strengths, but. They feel very limited. They've yet but to it, show it, us more. It is a power ranking right now. You know, we can't uh. really play around. Technically, we can't play around what happens when the meta shifts because, at the moment, I'm like, I'm not confident that if Schalke and Giants played each other like three games in a row, that Schalke would just three zero Giants no. right there. I think Giants could easily win some of those games. So, I, I'm fine with Rocket number five. I, th- I think that one uh, we can we can lock in. Lock it in. Uh, but for number four, I'm really really unsure if I want Schalke or Giants. So the, the crazy thing for me about Schalke is that I look at all of their players and I'm thinking these are players that have they are very inconsistent in their level of performance. So Vijisachi, when he is low, he's really really low. Mm-hmm. But when he's high, mm-hmm. it's super high. He's solo killing people or he's like solo dying. And then you have the jungler, which for some reason people still call a rookie, even though he was playing, <laughs> he was here last he was year. playing in LCS. It's like, was he that invisible? No, but uh, like uh, I think he also strikes me as someone that could uh, come across as uh, an emotional player because his performance in Rocket was also very up and down. And then Nuktak uh, as well. Uh, I think um, the more recent times he has become more consistent, his vitality times uh, with me and... Uh, his uh, current form. Uh, Vander is also a player that, uh, when it comes to important matches and in playoff mm-hmm. matches, he tends to underperform to uh, what people expect of him. And at the same time, Upset's reputation is that he uh, has choked in moments that were important. So I'm thinking Schalke, the sky is the limit, but at the same time, you know, you can see the bottom of the valley, you know. Uh, when they're standing there at the edge. So I feel like it's a very emotionally loaded team that can go either way. But then you have to give some credit, you know, yeah. this Schalke and, and the management. The coaching staff. Yeah. yeah. But I think at the same time, once once again, we just I think we always, when we look at this, it's hard not to look at the future. It's hard not to look at the potential. But right now we're talking about current level of performance, right? And Schalke is 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. Many yeah. of that, that was 1-1 one, one week with a sub, but 1-1 one, one week with upset as well. So is it fair to say that right now, Giants are the better team? Giants have showed us three very good games. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I had a good early game against you guys as well. Yeah. Uh, then 
struggle to play around Baron actually in that game, or even they didn't even go to Baron. They literally just went mid three times, and yeah. then they started losing because it came too late. <laughs> um, so for me, like it's it's a coin toss between the two teams. I'm actually fine giving Giants that credit and say Schalke fourth, yeah. Giants third right now. Uh, I like Giants draft. I like how how they play team fights late game, and I think they have good chemistry early on, which is something the players talk about. Uh, I agree with it. I think uh, like I think you put it. Uh, very neatly, like if Giants face Schalke right now, who would I bet my money on? Mm-hmm. I would put that money on Giants. Mm-hmm. Even though it, if if I saw that bet, I would just stay away from it. But <laughs> if I had to gun to my it's head, a risky one. then I would do it. First place, second place. First place, second place. Misfits or Vitality. Yamato, why don't you start? Let's talk about truth, okay? Let's talk about <laughs> what happened, you know, our game against Misfits. The one thing they hung to hung on to was our shitty national call, you know. So we That's gave them fair. that, you know. We were and seven K smiting Gilius. Yeah. Okay, let's let's call it that. You know? <laughs> it, it, it was it was one of the worst national calls that I've seen. You know, it was it was legit. You know, it was dignitas. It was all of the bad names you can call a bad national. It was horrible. Like we could have easily just pushed down mid. You know, one four inhibits down. And then we just take over the entire jungle. Zoe with her four hundred AP at eighteen minutes is gonna one shot some kids. You know, it was it was a very, very simple way of playing, but we didn't, you know? And I think the difficult part about playing the best team is getting yourself ahead, is getting yourself in a position where you are the one dominating. And we were eight, seven K gold ahead. And if I make that comparison between us and Misfits, you know, uh, that was our game to lose uh, based on how we played. And um, with that being said, I think uh, first place. I'm... S- Mm. All right, I want you to jump in. I'm kind of sold. I'm going to be honest. Because, I, I mean, watching that game, I did not feel like Misfits were in the driver's seat at all. I mean, Misfits drafted a very late game comp, uh, first of all. Um, they were against the Jacks top lane. They were against the Zoe mid. And Senkook's lost mid lane way too hard. Yeah, so, so, so that was a huge issue. Obliterated. Yeah, that was a big issue for sure. Uh, misfits got to late game. Found a Baron they shouldn't have found, obviously. And that is true. That really pulled them in. They were like down 7k gold, I think no. it was, at that point in the game. So it should have been a loss. I like how Misfits plays most of the time. I think they um, they do understand a lot of like how to play the game the correct way. By the book, as we say, like they go for, they don't go for the 50-50s. They go for the 80-20 in their favor. They value the vision and kind of the, 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 the slow setup which I think is good, but I gotta admit, I'm 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 actually perfectly okay putting Vitality first place, even if they lost that game to Misfits. Uh I think Vitality If they played again, would you think Vitality would win? I mean, if you play the exact same game again, exact same draft, and then that Baron call doesn't happen, Vitality wins, right? I mean that's just, that's how it is. So I think both teams are, are very close to each other and they are the, for me clear top two teams in Europe right now. Uh, but I am okay, not just because Yamato is here, because we were fighting Perks last time, we, we put Fnatic <laughs> first. I'm fine putting Vitality first for now, and put Misfits second place. Damn right. And I'm then it in. <laughs> we are we can't preparing let our, for we the segment next we week. We can't let our guest win every time. That's he the did, number he one lost rule. last time. I know, time. I'm just saying, we have to be careful. People are going to be like, you guys, it's cheating. Something I would like to say about Misfits, though, what I give them credit to, what they're better at us, doing is how they control their vision i think they're yeah, very they, controlled i think the slow uh, sexy stuff the the way they place their pinks how kind of cohesive their macro game is i think that's something we are striving for 
I also think Hans Sama is playing really well at the moment. Yeah, yeah, Mick and Hans Sama. Uh, yeah, that's the bot lane I forgot to mention. That's probably the bot lane who's performing the best at the moment in Europe. And Hans Sama has kind of, for now, taken the number 180 carry spot in Europe, in my opinion. I think that is partially because of how uh, I, I agree. And also partially because of how Misfits have drafted in their games. They've sure. given him, him an opportunity. And yeah. a lot of AD carries have not received that opportunity to be put in that position. All right. We have a completed tier list. So for all those of you who aren't writing this down as you go, listening, uh, Unicorns of Love in 10th place, H2K in 9th, G2 in 8th place, Splice coming in at 7th, Fnatic coming in at 6th, Rockat coming in at 5th, Schalke coming in at 4th, Giants at 3rd, Misfits at 2nd, and none other than Vitality First Booyah. Is that going to hurt us later? Is that going to bite us in no. the ass? I mean, it can't be any worse than last week. Where we got That's true. We had Fnatic and G2 wrong. first. <laughs> no, we had Unicorns number 10. That's safe. We got that right. Thank you, Unicorns, for being <laughs> consistent. We appreciate you. We'll find out if we're horribly wrong. It's going to be good. Don't worry. That is the Euphoria EULCS tier list. Power ranking. The power ranking. There we go. <laughs> Final section of the day. It is none other than Quick Shots. We've changed the name from Quick Fire Predictions. It is Quick Shots now in honor of Deficio's favorite person on the broadcast team. Now this is Quick Fire Predictions. We're going to run through each of the 10 games this week. I'm going to say the game, and then you guys, when I say now or go or whatever word I choose in the moment, have to tell me who you think is going to win as an update so you know, Yamato, you're coming in at a good time because both Deficio and Perks, last week's guest, did awful. Deficio got 5 out of 10. That's 50%. Perks got 4 <laughs> out of 10. So Deficio technically won, but I don't want to keep crediting him with I am wins. currently leading. We will take all the guests and whatever they are you know, uh, predicting, <laughs> and we put that all together at the end of the year or end of the split. And then we'll see if I won or if the guests won. Currently, I am winning. By one. So please, Yamato, I am winning. be let's, better. Let's go. Than, all right. Than Perks. <clears throat> all right. First game. On Friday, Unicorns of Love versus H2K. Go. H2K. H2K. Gotta wait for the go. <laughs> Gotta wait for oh. the go. Oh, yeah. Wait for the go. <laughs> Giants versus Rocket. Go. Giants. Giants. What is that late prediction? You can't uh, just wait for him. You can't piggyback. Martin, be faster. But I think you're jumping games. It's, you, the, it's you, not on day two. Are you reading the games? He's reading well, the games. Well, I was looking at the games. <laughs> I don't have the games. All right, all right. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> you can put it away. Martin, you're a dirty cheater. No, it's not <laughs> no, on day I'm two. And you lost. All right. <laughs> Schalke versus Vitality, go. Vitality. Schalke. You put them on, you put Vitality Yeah, on that's what it, that's what we do. <laughs> okay, that's what okay. we three, baby. We gotta get some bets here. Okay. All right. G2 versus Splice, go. G2. Splice. All right. Oh, we're different. Yeah, put like Splice it. there, all right. A lot of faith there. Couldn't care less about this game. It's gonna <laughs> go either way. <laughs> all right, final game of day one. Fnatic versus Misfits, go. Misfits. Misfits. All right. All right, moving on to day two. The first game is Unicorns of Love versus Vitality. Go. Vitality. Yeah, right. Who's <laughs> surprised? Okay. Next up, Schalke versus Giants. Go. Schalke. Dang, all right. The powerless. Not really holding true at this point, guys. So week two only. <laughs> all right. Next one, Rocket versus Fnatic. Go. Fnatic. I want to say Rocket. Oh, all right. There it is. Uh, I'm not believing in the revival of Fnatic just yet. Give it a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one, H2K versus G2, go. G2. G2. All right. Yeah. 
final match of the week. Oh. Misfits versus Splice. Go. Misfits. Misfits. Ooh, I'm smelling 10 out of 10 here. Okay. This feels like 10 out of 10 to me. Well, for me, yeah. I think the yeah. Shalgo Vitality... You don't even trust your own power ranking. <laughs> no, where, where's your too, mind, Deficio? New patches coming, another week of practice. Shalgo is going to step on that stage. They're going to look right. at Vitality and they're going to laugh in your face. You guys actually right? disagree on a couple <laughs> of them. Uh, shall we take... Let's take a Vitality one. The Vitality one just... Surprisingly, you didn't disagree with it. Vitality would lose to Unicorn Sala or... That one we agreed yeah, on. Yeah, okay. So you agree there. So Shalka <laughs> versus Vitality. Let's get some quick hits. Yamato, why don't you start? Make the case. Why is Vitality going to take this game? Uh, our consistent performance is just better. I think uh, we have players... Uh, you know, if we look at the history of Mini Troopers against Upset, then... You can obviously see that history doesn't lie and it will continue to be the same if you keep doing the same, putting ups against Mini Trupax. So in this case, I think we have a clear edge and uh, Mini Trupax is going to do some spanking. Mm, okay, right, Deficio, right. your rebuttal? Well, I'm going on the other side of the map. I'm going I'm going top lane. I think Mr. Chachi is going gonna, is gonna to win the top side. I think this is the year of Nukeduck. He's going to be able to hold Yuzuke, not randomly lose lane like we've seen before. And the top side of the map is going to be in favor of Schalke in this game. And they will stop the early snowball from Vitality. We're going to go to late game. And then Upset can shine and Schalke wins the game. Ah, well, I want you to go back in history once again and look at what happened to Vichisachi the last time he faced Kabushard. That was a quick 2-0 down to two pl second place for Unicorns of Love. They could have secured first and that's what happened the last time All they right, faced that's against history, each other. Baby. Here's the deal. Now, last time... We didn't even prompt this, but Perks was eager. So we, he wanted a bet. That's he true. wanted a bet. He wanted a bet. So the question is, Yamato, do you want a bet? Do you now the ongoing bet, the theme is here. You have to admit publicly on Twitter that you were wrong and that Deficio is the greatest analyst of all time. Also, the podcast is the greatest podcast of all time. Yeah, that's sure. All right. <laughs> Throw that one in. Nice. <laughs> um in if Shaka take down Vitality. But if Vitality beat Schalke, Deficio has to publicly apologize to you on Twitter and call you the greatest coach of all time. Can we up the stakes somehow? What well, do you want? What do you mind? How about some chicken? All right. All right. All right chicken all right. it is. Chicken fried, bus. <laughs> fried chicken. Chicken bus is on it as well. All right. All right. For those so, who don't know, we like to go out to eat chicken. So chicken yeah. on the line. Chicken and... Loser pays for chicken and tweets. I want like the Donkey Kong mojito too. Oh yeah, that's, I don't know what that's the, called. I'll get you to dessert as well as you win. <laughs> you get everything you want. All, oh, I'm glad I'm not a part of this action. I, truly just, I get chicken either way. You hungry, yeah. you're, you're hungry Draco? <laughs> this is so good. Bring all your friends. <laughs> Alright, well there you have it. Those are the quick shots for the week. We'll see how they turn out. Alright, that's going to do it for us here at the Euphoria Podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Yamada, for coming on and sharing the news about current number one team in the power rankings, Vitality. Definitely not biased at all. No. Thank you very much for the chicken you're going to buy for me very uh, soon Oh, as well. yeah. Also brought up that Kaba was highly underrated. So I think Yamato has pitched the case for Vitality, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to hear about this team. So thank you for coming on to do that. Uh, and thank you to all the everyone who's joined us thus far. This has been episode two. If you guys want to check out the EULCS and see who actually is going to be correct Friday and Saturday this week, it's going to be hype. Starts with some unicorns of love. Weekends with some crazy matchups in the middle of the day. Of course, the one that the stakes are on, Schalke versus Vitality. That Match is Friday. Of the week as well, man. Game Ooh. three. Stakes are on. It's not just about victory. It's also about chicken. Until then, uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>